This is a journey in faith, food, and fitness. You're listening to the Man of Fit Podcast. Is spontaneous play or organized curricula more valuable? Is there a right way to teach a growing child? Why the traditional school systems are failing? Come, listen, and join the discussion. The Man of Fit Podcast. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Man of Pit, Man of Pit, Man of Fit uh, podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm here with my good friend Jay. Jay, have you recovered yet? I have recovered. Ah, so for those uh, for those of you who don't know, um, last week was uh, Mimosa birthday week, um, which that means nothing to y'all, but it means everything to me and Jay um, yes. and our good friend Travis. So me, Jay, and Travis. Uh, we're roomed together in PT school on a street called Mimosa. And we actually all have birthdays in the same week. So uh, last week was Mimosa birthday week. Um, I got to see Jay. Um, we tried to do a live episode, but unfortunately, uh, timing and stuff just didn't work out for us. Um, but we missed Travis. Um, and mm. Travis, if you're listening, come back to Texas now. Yes. Um, but yeah, so, um, anyways, welcome back to the podcast last week. We, uh, talked a lot, a lot about, um, the habit of energy, um, kind of time, um, and how time is fixed. So the only thing that we can really do is change our energy levels. Um, so this week though, we're kind of picking back on that a little bit. Um, and we're talking about the habit of play, um, and really how we can, start to change the way we think about things, the way we learn things uh, through unconventional, um, but more biological, if you will, approaches. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious. Me and Jay, we've kind of made it obvious we're parents. Um, and so anyways, I was reading a parent, parenting guide the other day um, from a behavioral scientist that I thought was rather intriguing, Jay. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, the American Pediatric Association made a statement regarding um, playtime for your children. and uh, But not just like, let's schedule playtime, but like spontaneous playtime. Oh, okay. Uh, so so uh, it's not structured. Not structured. Yeah. Like you're just driving down the road and it's like, there's a park. Let's go to the park. Um, but this was pretty much overlooked. Um, as just an attempt of doctors trying to get parents to uh, spend time and play with their children. Um, however, uh, when you actually look at the research, there is actually a debate going on about how too much formalized uh, parental routine interferes with children's development. Um, but then you have, on the other hand, dozens of behavioral science inspired uh, parenting interventions out there that seemingly uh, kind of promote just the opposite of play. This like curriculum, education, uh, parenting behaviors that are structured, deliberate, proactive, uh, and kind of habit forming. So it kind of, there remains a question there, Jay, like which strategy is kind of the most beneficial? Spontaneous play as like pediatricians are recommended or habit predictability and routine as prescribed by other behavioral scientists. Dang. 
heavy hitters first. First, I want to sit here and find that article because I think I'd enjoy reading that. I, I have it. It's in the references. You can look at the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cause I am going to go find that. Um, but man, play versus structure. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to first just generalize, think about myself. Cause I was thinking as we were writing this out is like, I was thinking of like the four types of learners that I know. Yeah. Of. So yeah. like visual, kinetic, tactile, and, and auditory. Sure. And so yeah. I, I was thinking of all the, and for those that don't know, like visual, obviously you want to like read it. You want to read your information. You want to see someone do it. You want to see the activity performed and then you're capable of doing it. And then kinetic, you want to actively do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that enjoy kinetic appreciate the phrase uh, trial by fire. Um, mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. the ones that want to just grab the Legos and just build whatever for whatever. Um, and they, they don't want others to participate. They want to learn on the go. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, Jesse, with that, with that, that study that you're talking about is if they were running into the premise that, kids are more like a kinetic learner and they, they just want to experience and like run into. Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. Um, I think it stems, which I can't find this, uh, this research yet. I'm trying to actually find the article, but my wife actually was scrolling through, um, through Facebook the other day, you know, when you're at night about to go to bed. Um, and mm-hmm. she saw one of those posts come up, uh, which I thought was just kind of kind of a God thing, to be honest, because she didn't know what we were going to talk about this week. Yeah, um, I make her wait to listen to the episodes to find out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she uh, this is what the the the, the Facebook Uh, It was a picture, but this is what the Facebook said. It was a quote. Um, It says, scientists have discovered that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it is done in play, in which case it takes only 10 to 20 repetitions. My wife told me to say that quote. Yeah, did she really? That's hilarious. (laughs) Yes, she told me. So for those that don't know, my wife is a pediatric uh, therapist. And so she plays with kids all day. She yeah. leaves the house and she goes, have fun at work. I'm going to go play with kids. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. He, she gets paid to play. But she told me to use that quote. Um, not last night, two nights ago. She was like, oh, you, sh- you, you should you should do it. She did know what we were talking about. But yeah. she also, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's yeah. hilarious. So, I mean, I think to answer, to go back and answer your question, like, yes, like in that article, it did talk about how like uh, kids are more apt uh, to develop these learning uh, or learn something new if it's done in an environment that um, is fun, that is enjoyable to them, um, that is playful. Yeah, and and from this, I'm 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 guessing, like I just said, that stems from a, a research. Um, that has shown that you can develop synapses uh, a lot quicker when it's done in play. Yeah. So, um, but back to the four types of learners, um, we got tactile. And for those, tactile is more of like when you want to write it down or you want to utilize like a computer, you want to sit here and like kind of like step by step 
dis, like go through it. And then auditory is more of like, you want to listen to someone tell you about how to do it. You want them to be specific about it. And then you can do that, um, go through that. But that's what I was kind of like thinking mm-hmm. coming into this. Um, so you kind of, you de- you definitely uh, shook up the flow already. <laughs> shook up the flow, but I think it's a good one because I want I want to know more about your article. Um, but the other <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking of is when you sit here and so we kind of discussed that kids like to do it in play, so they like mm-hmm. to be kinetic, they like mm-hmm. to be tactile, and they're very visual um, whenever they're playing. Um, would you would you probably go on that same premise and say that it's best to utilize more than one style of learning as comparative to locking someone down to only auditory. I mean, I I think in in general, yeah, the more we can um, engage different aspects of not only learning, uh, but development, then yeah, things are going to um, kind of stay better um, or, or, or make those synapses that are faster. Um, I mean, you can kind of think of it just with um, just in, in general with everything we, we do in life, we want to be involved. Uh, we want to hear, we want to make eye contact. Um, we want to be present with people, you know, like Active we're listening. Yeah. We're away from each other, but like you can agree that when we're in the same place, together like physically in the same place together there's a lot uh better chemistry a lot um just more enjoyment because we're we're there in person not just seeing each other on a screen so we're getting that tactile that kinetic sense going on so i think yeah our bodies are made um because of the if you want to dive into it we will but like because we have five different i may have just forgot but five different lobes right the parietal the frontal the temporal, the occipital. So, you have you, no, you're right. You have two parietals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, and they each are responsible for different stuff, and they each respond to different stimulus. So, um, the more we can get kind of things involved to get the whole brain involved, the more we can develop memory, the more we can develop um, habits. Um, so, yeah, I think I think learning what you do best. Mm-hmm. And then um, using that as complementary to everything else. So like, especially, you know, when we were in PT school, one of our professors, very kinesthetic um, in the way she teaches and the way <laughs> she does things. Uh, but there are still times you got to write notes. So what she would do is we would like write down notes and then we would stand up and we would move. And then we would write down notes, stand up and move. Or like whenever I was trying to memorize for um, tests, um, I would go and I would have somebody quiz me, but I would like walk circles, basically pace. Um, it was just my way of being able to like almost dual task. So I made it where I understood it. it that dual tasking, that's, that's, that's pretty much what I was, I was thinking of is because for me personally, if I write it and I say it, then I, I, I'm doing pretty good. And then I can generally perform whatever it is mm-hmm. that uh, it is. And so I, th- I really think that the more that we utilize those uh, styles of learning in conjunction with each other, the stronger the synapse fires. 
But when you said dual task, it also made me think of the like famous saying, see one, do mm. one, teach one. Yeah, the nursing motto. The what model? The nursing motto. Well, That's you're about teaching nursing school. Again. That's what they, their, their motto in nursing schools. Oh. Well, I didn't one, know where that, that, that came from, the nursing model. Well, um, I don't know if they came from them, but I know all like the nursing school here in Abilene, that's that's the motto they use. And I've always heard it with nursing. Huh. Interesting. Man, you're just knocking my socks off. <laughs> so anyways, um, but I really like that in the sense of the first one, the C one, you actively, you're just trying to absorb as much knowledge as possible. And you're trying to ingrain and create those synapses, those routines and it's not necessarily saying you only get one shot, sure. but it's the premise of you utilize seeing it without actively doing it. And so you're using your visual and your auditory style learners. And then you have your do one, which is your kinesthetic and your tactile, depending upon your activity. And then you have your teach one, which is like, now I have to prove the fact that I actually know it and I have to restructure it for someone else. Mm. I'm no longer utilizing it for myself, but I'm kind of restructuring it for another individual that might be a tactile learner solely, or they, they might have a um, kinetic deficit. Maybe, maybe they're an individual that's in a wheelchair that we have to figure out a different way to move or, Maybe they have a difficult time hearing because they need hearing aids and they only hear a certain tone. Um, so yeah, that, that's I, what I really like about that is like if you can be you receive all that information and then re uh, use that same information in a different way and then utilize it for someone else. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I really like how you you kind of made two big points there that that I think can easily go over past. One that even though the the motto or the saying is see one, do one, teach one, it doesn't mean you only get one shot at it. And I think there's an overlook of the aspect of um, trying and failing um, and learning from your mistakes in order yeah. to to better ingrain it. And then the other aspect that you you hit on towards the end was that that teaching and having to rewire it in order to to give it to someone else. Um, it's kind of like um, that saying that like you have to know the rules in order to break the rules. So yep. like you have to really know what you're trying to teach in order to then teach it in a new way that is better for someone else. So I really like that. Um, that's one thing you know I take I take on a few students every year for physical therapy, like teaching, um, you know, just helping them get, um, learning in the clinic and kind of developing their clinical skills. And I always kind of not to do my own corn, but kind of amazes myself about how much I actually really do know that I know and remember that I know, because usually I'm not teaching. I'm just, um, working and going through like thought processes in my head to help, help patients, but then with a student, you have to kind of talk that out and, and teach them in a way that they understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and so it really it really kind of hits on this, having to know why you're doing what you're doing and then being able to adapt to uh, that individual's learning style in order to help them.
my time taking advantage of homeschool type stuff where you can go on field trips or go see it in real life. Like if you're studying animals, you can go. Hmm. All right, I'll start in five seconds. <laughs> All right, friends, welcome back. We just finished up about four types of learning and how we sit here and see that in teaching and helping others. And so this next section, we're going to be talking about kids. Jesse and I are both parents. We've got super young kids. But, I mean, teaching kids is a mystery. You've got so many different ways to help them. And the other crazy thing is most of the time they don't want help. They want to go do about it their own way. Yet there are some important things in life that they've got to figure out. So, um, Jesse, what have you found that Eden likes to do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, well, no, I, she, I can like, tell you that my son, as long as you keep that child moving, you could virtually throw something at him and he'll learn about it. It's just got to be in passing. Yeah. So if you just position yourself as he's running by and you want him to learn the colors, just throw a piece of colored paper in front of him and have him recite it and he'll actually start working on it. But um, – yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say with with Eden, it, it's, man, it's just getting her, her, like, just like you're saying, kind of getting her attention and um, getting her to, to focus. But a lot of times she just likes to look at you and smile and then she claps her hands like if you were the one who was supposed to learn it. Uh, <laughs> so, so sometimes it's good. Sometimes she she surprises you and she'll, like, answer you back clearly, like, uh, we tried to give her options of like, do you want to wear this this outfit today, or do you want to wear this outfit today? And she'll like clearly reach for one, or it'll be like, hey, are you ready for bed? And she'll be like, no. And then um, she has these little like puzzles that are like different. They're big puzzle pieces, uh, but there's like a lion, an elephant, and a giraffe. And so I'll be like, can you hand me the elephant? And she'll look at them and then hand me the elephant and then I'll be like, good job. And then the next time she doesn't do it, but you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. But I, I really think that when the more that I learn with my son and it teaches me more than anything, because to me, I want to just like jump into, Hey, let's sit down. Let's look at this. I'll sit here and show you five different pieces of paper that are different colors and we'll start repetition. Like Mm. this one's blue. This one's red. This one's yellow. All right. You say it with me. Blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow. And then I turn to the chair next to me and it's empty. My son has (laughs) gone someplace else. Um, But what I've learned to do with my kids or with my son, we'll do the same with my daughter, but it's like, put those in the way as they play. So like Mm. one thing that my son really likes to do is to kick a ball, throw a ball. And so what we did early is we got balloons Mm. and we sat there and we gave him a black balloon. And then we sat there and put the different colors on the wall. And then we sat here and had, him. it was like, I want you to throw the balloon as hard as you can at the blue square. And then we sat here and he would like try to throw it at the blue piece of paper. And it was an activity that he thought was fun. And 
it, it started to work because it was just like you said earlier, it's like the synapses take so many repetitions mm-hmm. if you're just sitting down and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But if we can intertwine excitement and we can really engage the mind in play, it's like they're learning rules to a different game, except the game's called life. Mm. Mm. Man, that yeah, that's good. I don't like that game, life. Uh, <laughs> I don't either, to be honest. Um, the board game, uh, yeah, life, I mean, not, that, not real life. You're not the Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder, like, so again, I, I need to go look at that research, but like, why, why do you think that like playing helps us like with our memory, with our development so much more than just like sitting down? Do you think it's just because kids are uh, just all over the place just naturally and just getting them still is impossible? Or is there like an actual like physiological event that that takes place when they're they're playing that allows for the memory component of our uh, mind to actually take hold? Yes to the second one, if I'm understanding you correctly. Okay. Because I, I don't believe that the maturity and the understanding of like honing in focus is, is understood at that age. And that's what you need. Sure. I mean, that's why they don't technically go to school till five, but we'll reach that in just a little bit. So we'll hit pause there. But like, I sit here and I hear parents all the time sit here and tell me, you know, I give my kid an iPad and he'll sit there and watch it for 30 minutes, but he can't sit at the table and sit there and eat for 30 minutes. But to me, when I sit there and I see a kid watching like TV or like watching an iPad, I don't believe they're actively like being entertained as such as you and I, I believe that they're trying to understand like, okay, what is this giant square greenish blob that's moving across the screen and how does it like go away when my parent never does like they don't poof off of a tv and like they're trying to actually understand the abstract thought of like a moving screen that has some kind of story to it and that they have repeated names and characters that they eventually associate with positive tones that are gone through the show. Do you, that's, that's interesting. So my thought that you were just, that when you said that was like, you know, as kids develop physically, like their coordination gets better. They learn to walk, they learn to run, they learn to throw like that. That's has to coordinate. It's not like those muscles aren't there. Yeah, and that movement's not there, but they got to learn to do that movement. Correct. So you think their brain is just like trying to learn to coordinate when they're so young, and so that they're just all over the place because they're like, I don't know where I want to go, but I I want to go over here, but I, I want to go over there, um, and they're just trying to coordinate those thoughts and those feelings um, in order to actually understand things. I, I I would probably say so. Like I, I think I think you actively have to teach them like titles to emotions. Like, yeah. When they're crying, you have to help them slowly de- decipher between sadness and anger. Because and at anger. that age, 
anger and sadness both will create tears. Sure. Um, and so sure. same, same, same kind of, same kind of thing with like activity levels. And so I think at their age, they're, they're exposed to so much and which is a good thing. I mean, that's also why I, I honestly think that they need naps is because yeah. their world is exposing them. Like the other day, my, my sister-in-law, when her little son was uh, growing up, we're walking in the park and she just like open field, nothing, no kites, no birds, no planes, just, just walking to the next group of trees in a park. And she stops and she goes, do you feel that? And I was like, why are we stopping? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why, why we're stopping. And I'm the adults of, I'm one of the adults of the group. Sure. And she goes, do, do, do you feel that? And I'm looking down. I'm like, well, I feel the ground. And then her son's staring at her, and she goes, "Something, something's pushing it against me." And I'm looking around. Um, nothing's there. And all of a sudden, she goes, "That's called wind." And I was like, "That makes sense." Wow. Her son's never experienced wind, but wow. can, do, do, does not have like the abstract understanding of like the word wind. Like, wow. okay, W-I-N-D, that's great. But how do you experience that? And then I was like, light bulb moment. If the child doesn't understand an, an invisible abstract thing pushing against him, mm-hmm. aka wind, a breeze, um, then how can we assume that a human-made piece of technology would be easier for them to decipher past that. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, I think it, it, it just goes from, you know, the, the world we live in now, the industry, the entertainment industry is so good at just like hitting, um, hitting our emotions, hitting what, what kind of makes us feel good. And yeah. really at that age, you know, from one to five, and really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually say, like, we we are made, you know, we're made in the, the image of God. We are made to be joyful, to live in uh, love and peace and joy, happiness. And so in the body, there's two kind of, um, what are they called, uh, hormones uh, that get released, dopamine and serotonin, uh, that really um, make you kind of, feel good, make you, make you happy. Right. And so at that age from one to five, like, um, research is showing that, um, those, um, hormones, um, really, um, are important to help create those memories. So I think, I think kids at that age are, are looking and seeking out, um, kind of those moments where they're happy, um, where they're feeling good, um, in order to, and they, they want that. They want to keep striving after that for lack yeah, of Yeah. They want to keep laughing. Yeah. They want to keep so, having fun. So, yeah. So I think, um, I think when it comes to abstract things, I think that's why they like the, the tablet because it's hitting this dopamine release because they're like, wow, this is pretty colors. Things are missing. Like I'm just so engaged. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just so engaged. Um, Versus like sitting down and being like, oh, cat, C-A-T, cat. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but which when when we explain it that way, doesn't it just seems like so comical yeah. to sit here and go like, "Hey, I've got this device that can sit here and hit all the dopamine dopaminergic synapses and cause serotonin releases, and it can engage for long time." And then you go to cat C A T. And and it'd be even better if our listeners could actively see us and we could use two learning sequences of pointing C A T. Right. And so it just seems comical. And so what that kind of drives me to think about is like what about school? Hmm. made this far into the episode thank you so much for your support Uh, i hope you're really enjoying the content so far we are excited to announce another giveaway to kick off season two Uh, we are giving away dr myron roll's book uh, the two percent way dr roll is an ex-nfl athlete turned neurosurgeon and credits his success to the philosophy of making small improvements each day in order to enter the giveaway all you have to do is follow and join the manifest podcast group on facebook then leave a review on your performed streaming platform. You can find further details in the show notes below or on Facebook. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to the Manfit Podcast. Thank you for uh, continuing to listen with us. Uh, we kind of have been kind of a little bit all over the place, but not really. Uh, it's all been driving down. Uh, the same road um, and talking about different things regarding uh, the habit of play and, and really how we can learn as individuals and how our, our bodies, our uh, minds are designed to um, learn faster and, and foster better um, synapses and connections if we incorporate it with um, something we enjoy, something we like to do. Uh, positive experience positive experience which brings us to uh our last little section um about school and and jay i don't know about you buddy um but up until about 2016 when i graduated from my doctorate in physical therapy um i hated school Uh, (laughs) so I, I witnessed this <laughs> multiple times. Multiple people think I was, um, including Absolutely my wife, irritated. Including my wife, um, thought I was not the most um, studious individual because I, instead of taking notes, would sit back with my feet up on the desk with an a Rubik's cube and looking off into space. And so very much, I guess you could say, a kinetic slash auditory uh, learner. Um, But yeah, so, Jay, I'm going to be frank with you. Okay. Yep. I'm about to rant. (laughs) Mission to rant. Yes. Let me grab your soapbox. Perfect. I'm in my soapbox. I'm going to stand up. Our school systems are failing. 
not not <laughs> just from an educational perspective, not just from um, not um, <laughs> prioritizing and respecting teachers um, and what they have to go through, but we are failing children. We are teaching children, are treating children, should I say, like they're adults. We're sending them in a classroom eight hours a day, five days a week, because we go to work eight hours a day, five days a week. Kids are not adults. Kids should not be in a seat eight hours a day. You are lucky if you can get a child to sit down for 30 minutes a day. Um, So when it comes to schooling, I think our systems are failing and we're developing children um, who don't know how to learn and how to express themselves um, and allow their natural way of learning to be to be used in order to um, in order to develop. And so what I mean by that is we're seeing an uptick especially in little boys, we're seeing an uptick in the ADHD and ADD diagnosis. So we're giving kids medication at a really young age to help them calm down when everything in their body is just naturally saying, I need to get up and move. Mm-hmm. And it's a failure that we have in society. It's a failure that needs to change. It's a culture, um, it's a culture that needs to change. It's a culture that needs to change. It needs, it's a culture that needs to change. Absolutely. And it goes on the energy of time or the the habit of energy. It goes on the habit of play. Everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is in this right here that we're talking about. There are multiple different forms of schooling. Um, I will tell you when I was in high school, in college, up until about the time I had a daughter, um, I was 100% against homeschool because I thought, kids were socially kind of awkward um and i was like public school's the way to go now that i am have a daughter now that i have been engaging in understanding of different types of schooling i have found that there are two main schooling techniques that kind of stand out okay homeschooling is one because of the ability to take school with you where you go. So you have the ability to like go to the zoo and actively make that a learning experience almost every day, not just a one-time trip halfway through the semester. Um, You can go to a museum, study history at a museum. Um, You can go to a science place and study science. So it's a very, it's an easy way to incorporate everything that we've been talking about with the four types of learners um, for your child and you can make it geared specifically for him, for them. And then there's another type that has been around for a long time, but it's kind of making a um, return, especially in um, more church culture environments. Um, And that's called classical uh, learning or classical teaching. And what this is, Jay, is um, students will go to school three days a week, okay? Okay. Uh, and it's usually in the middle of the week, so they don't start or end their week in school, but they're only in school for four to five hours. You know, as they get older, that changes, 
it, it starts to go up. So as they mature and they can tolerate being in a learning environment for longer, they start to be in a learning environment longer. But um, they kind of go for just four or five hours, get kind of the basic learning for that week that they're going to go over. They get social interaction, which is great. Um, and then at home, uh, the other two days of the week, uh, the parents are kind of doing the homeschooling thing. So it's kind of incorporating the homeschool with the public school in a sense and combining it. And so what you're seeing is that these individuals who go through a classical academy come mm-hmm. out a lot more, uh, a lot, they're, they're able to critically think a lot more, mm-hmm. able to research and decipher things a lot faster they're Um, just not they're not uh memorizing gurus they actually have the ability to logically process through problems correct correct so they're able to formulate thoughts opinions and express those thoughts and opinions in a educated form and so um and they're they don't get over over they don't get burnt out they don't get overworked they don't get tired because they've been in school for so long. Um, and so I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? That's, that's my thoughts. That's where, uh, right now, I mean, Eden's not even one, one yet. She turned 10 months yesterday. Yeah. Shout out to baby girl. Um, but, um, happy 10 month birthday. Yes. Yes. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, um, you know, y'all are getting a lot closer to the age where, you know, your oldest one is going to be going to, kindergarten, first grade, stuff like that. So you're much more in the depths of kind of figuring this stuff out. Yeah. So I've, I've honestly been looking at a lot of the different kinds of schools. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by the classical learning style of what you're saying. Um, I would sit here and say that I think the difficult thing is not the structure of teaching, but the culture of expectations. And what I mean by that is like the, the issue of are you in a position as a family in which one person can do the part-time teaching at home? Sure. And then the other person, other parental figure would be capable of doing the 40 hour week and providing the enough monetarial needs for for the family to go do those things for sure um, through classical teaching and so i think for those that have that opportunity i think that that's a great thing because personally when i think about it it's like parents they need to be active in the teaching portion of their kid Mm -hmm. like I think one of the problems is with part of the culture is like, well, that's what I sent them to school is that's what you got your degree in teacher. So-and-so is to teach my child. I'm, I'm not the teacher. You're the teacher. I'm here to keep my house running, to keep the wall paint walls painted and stop them from being drawn on by crowns, but um, not to teach my child. Uh, that's you. And so me personally, I think, parents are probably the most important part in teaching and that classical learning style from what you just sat here and said, puts the parents in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the formal education and allows them to kind of direct 
their child because the, the first five years, unless they're in daycare, the parents know how their child works. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they they need naps. They ju- they're just that kind of kid, or maybe they're super active and, <laughs> and they need to have breaks every forty five minutes. They know that because they created that routine over the course of five years. Um, so I really like that, but unfortunately, I think that first culture has to really understand the benefits of that and get on board with that. And so when I look at, and because I'm so close to entering into that, that system, um, I'm really starting to think and look at um, all different kinds of schools where we have this new kind of premise, which is called a, like a charter program. And I'm aware that charter programs were around when I was in school, but they were not available to me in my area. Um, but charter school is kind of like a, um, a public school, but it's not, it's run by a third party company. It's not run by, uh, the state. And so, um, the teachers don't have to necessarily have the same degrees. And from my understanding, the same degrees or the same, uh, backgrounds as the teachers that are in the schooling for public schools. And so the charter schools will focus heavily on like language and science, math. And when I mean language, they're learning different languages um, from very beginning, from kindergarten on. They're learning Chinese and Spanish and some of the ones that are around me. And then um, you've got public schools, which they have a diversified um, athletic programs and sports don't need any examples there from Texas because um, <laughs> there's plenty of them. But when you look at them, there's pros and cons all over the place. And you're trying to like match your child into what you think is best. And I really don't think that's, that's the best idea personally. Um, like, so I like what you're saying about the classical conditioning. I just wish that the culture was, more open-minded to it yeah you know what would be really interesting to look at um, oh and i'm sorry there's private schools yeah there's There's private schools yeah uh what would be really interesting to look at is um you kind of mentioned this culture it's the culture that needs to change you know and uh one thing that we'll probably talk about in in future episodes and um we just didn't have time last episode but uh like different cultures um like the Spanish cultures, the German cultures, they all take like a break during the day. Um, I refresh. And so it'd be interesting to see if their school systems are set up the same way where they take a break and how that break um, in that system works with the kids. And if it allows them to be more engaged because they're not just trying to go all day, they're going, you know, a few hours, taking a break, a few more hours. Um, it would also be, I also like the idea of like STEM programs um, and like, uh, which is kind of like the charter stuff, I guess, where uh, you have these uh, high schools that specialize in like health or specialize in technology, um, something like that, so that their students are coming out uh, with kind of a rudimentary based knowledge or like a very small certification in something already out of high school 
Um, but it's not for everybody. Kind of like you were saying, like you have to know your child and the child has to really be focused on like, okay, I want to be in the health profession. So let me go to this high school that I'm going to get exposed to different professions and see which one I like. Um, so there's many options out there. I just think, and I think you're in agreement. like something needs to change. We need to think of a better way to service our children, uh, so that we get one better education, uh, but two that we, um, treat them as kids, treat them as kids, treat them that they're not adults, that they are who they are. Um, and we recognize that and that learning is going to look different for them. Um, but Soapbox over. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening to our podcast today. Um, hopefully you you learned something. Um, it was pretty educational for me. Um, it was a fun discussion. I like discussing stuff like this. So thank you, Jay, for for that. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, oh, thank check you. Check out uh, our socials: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at uh, Manfit Podcast. Uh, you can check us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, like pod chasers, you know, we're pretty much getting out there now that we have enough episodes. We just need reviews. So, uh, do us a favor, go and give us a review on uh, your favorite, uh, listening device so that we can get our product out to multiple people, um, that may need to learn it or may need me need encouragement. Um, Jay, anything else you want to add? No. Just have fun. Enjoy what you're doing. You'll remember it a whole lot more. That's true. 15 to, well, what is that? Like 380 times faster. Yeah. Um, So reps faster if you just add play with it. Um, So, yeah. So, like always, may God bless you and keep you. Uh, May you let, let his face shine upon you. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the ManFit Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at ManFit Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we take on the challenge of discussing sports specialization. <laughs>